Welcome to the Aspieland Podcast. I'm your host, John Allen. Come with me on an adventure into the world of Asperger syndrome, also called autism spectrum disorder. Everyone is welcome here, whether you have the disorder or you're interested in learning more about it. We're here to help you understand, share, and relate. We're just about to get started, so come on in. Greetings and welcome once again to Aspieland. My name is John Allen, your host, and I'm happy to have you with me, whether you're someone with Asperger syndrome, autism spectrum disorder, or you're a neurotypical. You're all very welcome and accepted here. If you're new to this podcast and you're an Aspie, well, you'll find this is a place to learn about yourself, your feelings, and ways to discover joy in your life. And if you're a neurotypical, this is a place where you can learn about life as a person on the spectrum and who we really are and what we think and how we feel. The idea is to come together and accept one another. We do that by looking at life through each other's eyes. I have a special guest with me today. His name is Nathan Morgan, and we're going to be talking about his journey with autism spectrum disorder. So we're going to talk about that. Nathan, hi, how are you? Hi, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. So tell me about your journey. Okay. So I grew up in Colorado. So Oh, okay. Um, okay. I was socially awkward. My interests were different. I had different ways of communicating. And so I just didn't really kind of fit in. Uh, and, and that is very isolating. And it was very hard to figure out how to do that. I actually ended up finding a lot of good friends in, uh, and this is going to sound probably a little peculiar, um, a lot of older women like who are like uh, like grandparents, like because my mom, uh, as a single parent, needed people to help babysit, so you know she could work or do other things, um, and we had a lot of elderly women in my neighborhood. So a lot of my childhood was really spent making pies and hanging out with cats and uh, watching, you know, soap operas and things on TV. It was a really interesting dynamic. But looking back on it, I, I really would have liked some friends who are some of my own age. You know, it was a really uh, an experience that I felt like I kind of missed out on because my own peers um, weren't as empathetic or understanding to my differences. Um, so I, I felt like an outsider. When did you find out you were autistic? I found out that I was autistic when I was a kid. I, I didn't really know for a fact until I was a little bit older when my mom told me, but I was diagnosed when I was maybe about seven or eight years old. My autism wasn't diagnosed or recognized as early as some of my other needs uh, and differences. I had a lot of anxiety as a kid, so I was actually taking Valium, which is an anti-anxiety medication, oh, yeah. Yeah. at the age of two. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a pretty heavy-duty drug for, I, I, I was just gonna for a two-year-old. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I also was diagnosed with Tourette syndrome. With Tourette syndrome, it, I, it's involuntary muscle movements, involuntary okay. muscle spasms. Okay. So those kinds of needs were identified a lot earlier, um, and so I got a lot of medications for that. I, I think some of that kind of murkied up even my own diagnosis. I was having a lot of social difficulties and a lot of difficulties in school. I would feel so overwhelmed just with everything that was happening in the classroom that I would get up out of my seat and I'd just run. I'd just run out of the classroom. I'd run home. They even tried moving me to other schools, hmm. um, a school further, and I, I still ran home. So through that sort of journey, I would, ha I would have meltdowns. I'd have other struggles because people weren't recognizing or understanding the needs that I had. But my mom was my biggest advocate, and so she was always really looking for ways to support me um, and was fighting with the school to get the, some of the supports that I needed so that I could do well in school. And so through that journey, she connected with some doctors 
in Colorado, I had to, you know, I was in an area that didn't have a lot of resources. I think that's something that a lot of people are probably familiar with. You know, so we drove to Denver. We actually drove through the Rocky Mountains pretty regularly um, from Grand Junction to Denver, you know, is, is like hours and hours of drives. It was, it was an interesting journey to get the diagnosis and to get like speech therapy and some of the other like occupational therapy things. I also have a twin brother on the spectrum. Wow. So um, our autism looks a little bit different, which was actually, I think, a really interesting journey for myself as well, recognizing that some of my differences can sometimes be the same underlying reasons, but it looks a little different. But my, my twin brother was probably my, my best friend and my worst enemy growing up. I think that's probably <laughs> true for a lot of siblings. Yeah. Brothers are like um, that. Exactly. So as you have grown up being on the spectrum, you experienced a lot of the same things that others who are on the spectrum have experienced with dealing with other kids. Absolutely. Even if you had some interests that were similar. So I was always playing like Pokemon cards and Yu-Gi-Oh cards. And that was just kind of the, the topic of the time when I was growing up in the 90s, early 2000s. And because the way that my brain thought about the game, I thought about it in a different way. And so in addition to that, it caused a lot of difficulties because even when I could make friends at like hobby groups where maybe we had the same interests because I was thinking about that same common interest that we had in a different way, I would have instances where I beat like them at the game and then nobody wanted to play with me like in their eyes. They yeah. thought I was weird, but also because, you know, then if you beat them at a card game now, not only did they lose, they lost to the weird kid. And yeah. so yeah. nobody wants to hang out with you. So yep, it's exactly. just, now, as you got older, I can see from your bio, and I didn't repeat your bio to everybody because, quite frankly, I wanted to talk about it. Mm -hmm. You eventually went to college. I did. That was quite an unusual journey. As I mentioned a little earlier, I ran away a lot from school. I was in a lot of the special education services, got an IEP. I didn't go to middle school or high school. I had not spent a single day in a middle school or high school classroom because I was running away, eloping from classes. We moved for a time. Um, and then for a stint when I was a, a teenager, my family was actually homeless due to some circumstances. And so when I ended up moving to Ohio, you know, we moved here in search of sort of like lower housing costs and things like that. Yeah. But I ended up getting my GED during that process. Okay. I was trying to think through, you know, what kind of future could I have? Because I knew because of my sensory needs, working in like a fast food place, working, you know, in a factory, you know, doing some of those types of jobs wasn't something that was going to fit for me because of my skill needs and because of my, my sensory needs. So I was trying to think of what kind of future could I have? And that was one of the things that I talked a lot about with my brother, too. We had lots of the same worries. And so we sort of built this resolve to get our GEDs and we applied for a smaller college campus. We started at this local uh, college in our area, the Kent State uh, Tuscarawas branch, okay. which was uh, a sort of a rural branch campus of the okay. college. Yeah. With that, we, you know, found like I was still trying to figure out who I was and what I was looking for. But I knew a couple things about myself. I knew that I had a lot of experience in psychology, just because I was in so many sort of appointments and things like that. So it's kind of yeah. like, I mean, that's kind of a, a weird way to pick your initial major. But I, I guess that for me, it made sense because I already felt comfortable and knowledgeable with that. But also we had a babysitter when I was a kid who was a Japanese exchange student. And I learned a little bit about some Japanese culture from him as a little kid. And so I ended up getting into sort of that program that they had at Kent State. But that required that I had to go to some of the bigger 
campuses. So there was this Stark campus, which was a, a little ways away from where I lived. So I had to learn how to drive. I had to like so many different the skills and stuff that I built. And you're in a bigger um, place with more people exactly. and more lights exactly. and more exactly. other sensory things that are just going to yeah. bombast you with going, info. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I was going like 50-50 for a time where I'd have a couple of my classes at that bigger campus and a couple of them at the smaller campus because I wanted to make sure that I was prepared and I was kind of Okay. Um, going to be successful in that. That works. But from that, I think because college was so interesting for me because compared to other types of learning, I think, um, and from what I've heard from some of my peers about like their high school experiences, it's a lot of information that's sort of, you know, drilled to you. You don't get as much choice right. in what you're doing. In right. college, it's liberating in the sense that you can find those interests that you have, no matter how obscure, and you could pursue a path in studying that. Right. And so so that's what I did. I originally was going to go work with international student populations. That was right, the goal right. that I had. Yeah, some of that actually probably relates to feeling like an outsider. I think I could kind of resonate with some of the um, international students. Okay, because I get that. It's sure. kind of like, you know, you do sometimes feel like you're kind of a stranger in the strange land. And, oh, sure. And the culture and the customs. You're an alien and, in exactly. your own planet. You know? exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. And so I double majored. I took course overload. I was so in love with college. I mean, if I could have been a student for the rest of my life, that would have been like the perfect thing. Unfortunately, you know, student loans run out. So yeah, they do want the money back for some reason. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, now, you're so working, now you're working exactly. with people who are on the spectrum. Yeah. How did all that come out? Yeah, so that actually came about because, so while I, I worked on my undergrad degree, I got my bachelor's in psychology um, and my minor in Japanese. Um, and with a bachelor of psychology, is there, you kind of want to figure out what those next steps are going to be. Are you going to be a clinician? Are you going to be in research? But with that, I, I ended up going into a grad school program. Uh, I started working on my master's degree in social work because I wanted to help people. I knew that that was one of the things that I wanted to do. Part of that required internships. So with an internship, there's sort of like this unpaid thing where you're learning from other professionals. But with that program, we had options before us. I, I was uh, looking into uh, working with international students, but on a whim, I decided you know what, I, I, I'm autistic. This place uh, in my community, Milestones Autism Resources, happens to, to work with people like me. So, so maybe it would feel more comfortable if I, and it was actually my first interview that I did for my internship. Okay. And we just had such a great conversation about autism. I think in that moment, I, I found my place. I, I need to I need to try to pursue and work in the autism community because I had never really thought about a job in autism like that before, before really taking that chance. But it was just so rewarding. And I felt a part of me like this is where I can share my story and it's OK, where I don't have to feel like I'm ashamed of who I am, where I don't have to feel, you know, that I'm on a different playing field, that I can come here. And even though I'm autistic, I'm not less than other people. I'm the same level as my coworkers. And so I started in that and I did work that for a while. But then I went into, of course, you know, internships only last for a period of time. Then you have another internship. And then I started working in the mental health field. I was an early childhood mental health therapist for a time. And I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed working with the kids who I was working with. We would go into homes. We'd, we'd play. We'd, we'd, you know, really work on some, some things. But the way the systems are just so structured, there's so many demands. It's so much, so much of it isn't so much about helping in the sense, like you lose sight of, of your purpose sometimes. Huh. You lose sight of why you got into it because you're having to focus on, is this a billable hour? Are these, 
are these things that we can get reimbursed for, you know? And so those kinds of questions and those kinds of comments came up a lot in that. Yeah, the business side of things, yeah. While parts of the job were very rewarding, some of those business sides of the things were just so draining and I felt like I was was losing myself. Okay. But then um, through some of the connections I made through my interning, my, my now supervisor had reached out and said that a position had opened up and that I would be perfect for it. So I didn't really have a lot of the formal interviewing experience, I think, that some people have. I ended up getting my job through sort of building some of those connections and and networking and kind of putting myself out there. I had also done some presentations at that conference and some places. So that's how I did end up getting the job. Um, But now I work in social work where I am talking with people and I'm building groups, building community, and it's just so rewarding and enriching. And that just goes to prove that even if you're on the spectrum, you can succeed. You can. You can. And I know everyone's journey is going to look a little bit different. And I, I absolutely have to recognize that I had a lot of luck that came into my position as well. A lot of it was kind of being in the right place at the right time because yeah. I, I know yeah. that our world isn't always as um, encouraging or supportive. So as far as the rest of your life is concerned, what do you like to do? Oh, I'm a huge, huge geeky nerd. <laughs> Just a huge <laughs> geeky nerd. I am super obsessed with a lot of the same interests that I had as a kid, Pokemon, Final Fantasy. I will spend hours and hours and hours reading about, you know, sort of that fictional, there's a Final Fantasy universe, and I'll do reading about that. Uh, for a time, there's this thing called theory crafting, um, which is where you're trying to find optimal rotations for building or creating things like within that game. And so one of the, I was involved in, in stuff like that. I like to play with my cats. I, I find that animals can sometimes be so much more agreeable than other people. Yeah. Um, they don't talk back. That's, no. That's, yeah, they're good. They're, they're good listeners. My cats are a little bit spoiled. Um, so, so that's probably, you know, some of that. I, I enjoy going to the movies. Um, I haven't since the pandemic, but I, I enjoy going to see indie movies, you know, some movies that are just so bad that they're good. Um, yes, like there, the are, there or, are some of those. Uh, Fateful Finding, some of yes. that kind of stuff. And I, I've, I've always enjoyed like Cedar Lee and, and some of those, those okay. historical okay. theaters yeah. to go to. Those are the kinds of things that, that I enjoy. I, I also really enjoy, um, so I'm, I'm running a social group for autistic adults, and I've, I found a lot of joy through connecting with other autistic people. Because we have so much in common with our lived experiences, with our interests, um, and even where our interests diverge, I think one of the things that's neat is we're able to kind of learn from each other. And sometimes the it's that community that I was always looking for as a kid, um, yes. where I was always kind of pushed away. But I found people who accept me as I am and who I accept as they are. And there's just something so fulfilling about that. If you could say one thing to a neurotypical person about those of us who are on the spectrum, mm-hmm. what would you say? You don't know much of anything about us. A lot of people really are so reliant on the stereotypes that are out there still. Rain Man and, uh, well, even some of the, the better representation that's come out there, I think it only shows such a small glimpse. Like, get to know us. When I think about the autistic community and I think about the sort of the neurotypical community, I almost view us as like two different countries. And we're not at war, but I think sometimes we're kind of at odds. We're not really communicating with each other and we're not trying to listen to things from each other's perspectives. Yeah, that's true. So so while it may sound kind of strong about saying you don't know us, I, I mean, 
take take a moment, get to know autistic people, really listen to us. Uh-huh. Really, you know, that's probably the best advice that I can suggest is we are people, you know, we're different and we have, di- you know, different strengths and different limitations, but so does everyone else. So does everyone else in this world. Yeah, yeah. And that's probably the same advice that I'd offer to the the autism community. Um, that was my next question. So, oh, okay. I, know, yeah, I can turn thing. my mic off. You're doing fine. Same thing. Yeah. Get to know, get to know people who are different. If we only interact with people who are like ourselves, we really close off a part of our world. We don't really understand those differences and we, we make the world a smaller place. Whereas yeah. if we build yeah, a, we do. We do. A, a community and everybody's just trying to live their best life as best as possible with the the hand that they were dealt. People are always trying to make a better life for themselves. And we can make a better life for ourselves by listening and building community. And one of the biggest struggles, and I am absolutely guilty of doing it myself. Sometimes when I'm so overwhelmed, I will close myself off from the world. I won't ask for help sometimes when I need help. Yeah. And and simple thing, by building community that's supporting each other, it makes everything better for everyone. Yeah, that's exactly right. I work here and have a university where nearly everybody is neurotypical. And so that's uh, actually really important, though. I think uh, autistic people need to be involved in in more spaces, in leadership in universities, in, you know, leadership in, you know, therapy agencies, in businesses across the board. Yes, we're considered a minority, but you can't go into a room of 50 people. There's at least an, an autistic person in that room. If you're looking at some of the statistics that we know, and I think that the statistics probably aren't as accurate as I think there are probably more autistic people than are identified. Oh, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure. So there's a lot of self-diagnosed that haven't identified at all. Exactly. And yeah, so it's been great having you on. I sure appreciate your story. I mean, wow, what a neat story. And uh, I'll have you back on. Absolutely. Don't worry about that (laughs) because you are a resource of resources. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Well, I hope you've enjoyed meeting Nathan. And uh, we're going to have some more of these podcast visits with new friends periodically as we go throughout the rest of the year. If you get a chance, make sure to rate and review this podcast with your podcast provider. It helps others find the podcast, just like some of you have found us. And please get on the website, aspieland.org, and look around. And if you haven't done so, subscribe to the podcast. Just go to the subscription page and fill out the form. It only takes a minute. If you can please donate to the podcast, we could really use the help. No matter what the size of your donation, it's all very much appreciated. Well, we'll get together real soon. Stay safe and we'll meet up again in Aspieland. Thanks for listening to the Aspieland podcast. If you like this podcast, pass the word. This podcast is for everyone, whether you have Asperger's syndrome or not, because the more who listen, the better our opportunity to become more sensitive and compassionate, not only to those who have the disorder, but to all humankind as well. Thanks for visiting, and I hope you'll listen again.